Welcome to the inaugural episode of A Very Venture Rewatch. I'm one-third of your host, and my name is Aaron. Whether you're watching the show for the first time or the hundredth, we're here to walk you through the seven seasons of our favorite show and talk about some of our favorite moments, favorite developments, and our overall appreciation of the Venture Brothers. After receiving the unfortunate news of the show's unexpected cancellation, the three of us decided to turn our devastation into something productive. Though we will be talking about the pilot episode today, we'd like to start by telling you about why we love this show and why it's so special to all of us. I'm here with my best friends and the other two-thirds of your host, Max and Connor, of what Max and Connor did on their podcast. So let's get started by talking about why we love the show. Thank you. We're very famous. From our other podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like this show because it's pretty good. Well, you like this show, Max. End of episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good cartoon. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I didn't realize that Connor had turned into a Muppet. Uh, but, you know, I guess shit happens. I was going to um, ask, could you try that again from the top, but this time uh, as a Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to do my national butthole radio for us. All right. No, oh, yeah. Let's no, fucking you did. And it was perfect. Action. Yeah. We got to stay on topic. We're <laughs> yeah. talking about the Venture Brother. All right. The, uh, no, it's okay. Um, uh, so, I... Why do I love the Venture Brothers? Yeah. Why I mean, do you love it? How did you come to it? All right. I mean, I guess that's easier just because I remember specific moments. Like, so I remember the first time that I'd ever actually heard about the show. I was, so probably in, like, 6th or 7th grade, um, when the first season aired in 2005, right? I think the pilot was 2004, I want to say. 2003. But... Oh. The right. pilot was 2003. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I want to say that the first season aired in 2005, and I remember being in, I was in, like, the 6th grade, and I was in a friend's backyard, and he was explaining to me the scene in Home Insecurity where Brock is talking to the National Guard, um, like, soldier about how he's just trying to go camping. And I just remember my friend saying the words, Brock fucking Samson. (laughs) So, like, that really stuck with me. Yeah. And then I remember the first time I remember, the first time I remember watching the show, was um, the scene in The Talented Mr. Brisby with uh, Brock and Molotov in the uh, motel room. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is a wonderful scene. And a good introduction. <laughs> yes. to- uh, we'll definitely uh, get to that when on uh, that episode. I yeah. think we'll have a lot to talk about during that scene because there's like one sp- something specific that I, I don't know, I think you two... Well, I'm just going to say it. Well, we're going to talk about Brock Sampson's dick. Oh. Yeah. Cool. On that note, I just want to say that this is a rewatch podcast in lieu of the cancellation of the show, like Aaron said. So we might be discussing major plot points that happen much later in, like, season seven, because so much of the show is, like, woven throughout, right? Yeah. Where stuff from season one comes back in a much later season. Mm-hmm. So if you're new to the show... Uh, we encourage you having, you know, your very own experience of, like, going through the whole thing, enjoying the magic, and then coming back to our, right. our discussions. Yeah. And then, you know... So even you don't get it, mad at us. If, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't get mad at us for spoilers, but do know that if something is spoiled, it really... The Venture Brothers is not about reveals. The reveals yeah. are meaningful if you have the context of 
like the emotional sp- experience of watching the show. Yeah. They don't rely on big reveals to be entertaining. No, no, not at all. It's yeah. always in service of story. Exactly. So if you like, you know, like, you know, I, I have Connor's spoiled a ton of scenes from the dark tower for me, Yeah, <laughs> but like that does not, that's not going to lessen my experience of reading the dark tower series. You know, once I get to it, no, because so much of it is like with the Venture Brothers, you going along the ride with the characters yeah. and trying their emotional growth mm-hmm. and such. And speaking of uh, character journeys, yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron, how did you come to know and love the Venture Brothers? All right, well, uh, Connor, you told me I should watch it. Um, and, you know, in my experience, when a guy tells me to watch a show, I generally don't want to and yep. I assume it's going to be <laughs> shitty. Yeah. So, but then you like, you told me that David Bowie was a large part of it. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, let's. I I'll remember that being a big selling point for yeah. you, but I, like, I just want to add real quick that I've definitely, whenever I've tried to get somebody to watch the Venture Brothers as well, it's, it's been, or, you know, like I've tried been? to, yeah, well, it was, but I, <laughs> I'm sorry, we can't do that. That's <laughs> no, not that's ours. not our bit. <laughs> that's although they retired it. All, yeah. He's been bringing stuff back though. Uh, in the, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for just knocking us right off the rails. No, again. it's totally cool. What was I saying before you comedy bang banged me? Um, Aaron was talking about how David Bowie was a large part of oh, getting into oh, the show. Oh, I remember trying to get um, a former girlfriend to watch the show for the first time, and they love it now. But it was definitely like it's. I don't know. I guess there's just something about the Venture Brothers that isn't necessarily. Le- appealing to everybody just uh, at face value. Exactly because. That gets me to my next point, was that the reason I ended up liking it, and I surprised myself, was that um, the sincerity of it was something I really didn't expect from Mm. a grown-up TV show with, like, dirty jokes in it. I just Mm -hmm. expected it to be, like, you know, I don't want to knock other shows, but, like... um, We can knock some shows. (laughs) Yeah. There are some shows that are just, like, knocked so publicly. Yeah, I guess the thing was that it was on Adult Swim, so yeah. I was like, okay, so we're in robot chicken territory is what you're yeah, telling me? Because yeah, this, yeah. was, uh, this was not when it first came out. I was like 18. So this was when? Like 2009? So I just assumed it was going to be just like nasty and like rely largely on misogyny <laughs> to get... Which, of course, there is some of that mixed in there, which we can talk about as well. But yeah. It is I, a caustic show, I will yeah. say. But, like, yeah. especially starting out... And it comes, like, speaking, going to the origins of the show, Mm -hmm. it came at a time where the genesis of Adult Swim was, like, Cartoon Network after dark. Yeah, So it was a lot of reusing old Hanna-Barbera assets Mm -hmm. to make adult programming where you have your, you know, your Harvey Birdman, where it's like, oh, what if Fred Flintstone was a domestic abuser? Exactly. And that kind of comedy just kind of, like, makes my stomach churn a little bit. It's yeah. hard to rewatch, like, um, Harvey Birdman sometimes. Yeah. is like, hard to rewatch, and I don't know if that's because I'm like, well, the Venture Brothers just did it so much better. Um, but I can watch, like, I can watch the shit out of the Brack show. Yeah. Or, like, Aqua Teen Hunger Force as fucking problematic as that show is right uh in like an enormous way but i think that um it def the venture brothers definitely is an outlier in that regard but when i rewatched the pilot i was like yo you know what this definitely feels way more like 
of Adult Swim influence. And I yeah. feel like even with into like um, Dia de los Dangerous, they still lose that. You know, yeah. it doesn't feel as like Adult Swimmy yeah. as the second half of Turtle Bay does, which I think is interesting. And I'm sorry. Connor, well, before just, we launch into that, should I do my history first? Yeah, and then we can I didn't just know right if we wanted to do the flow of that or because. All right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to wrap up the segment. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. But yeah. So um, how did you I, get to or Aaron, did you have more to? Oh, no, I just um, you sat me down. We watched uh, Dia de los Dangerous. And while I was like very uncomfortable about Rusty's kidneys, <laughs> I was like. All right, like oh, I'm down. I'll give it another shot, and then you know, cut to now, and yeah. I love it. So yeah, <laughs> and that's that, the thing. I've like the, like you were saying with mm. your former with your ex. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have you know I've introduced the show to exes, and it's the kind of thing where like at first they're like mostly it feels like humoring me you know it's like, like all okay, right okay honey he's very excited i'll watch this cartoon show for him yeah yeah but it really is like it does have that kind of like caustic abrasive humor um but like you were saying the sincerity of it right really carries it through so i feel like the the sweet spot is when you hit season three mm. and yes. you realize like how far you've come with these characters and how much like heart there is behind the show yeah that's the secret sauce that like yeah. separates it from like a family guy or a harvey birdman oh yeah and i uh, sorry no i was just gonna say i don't know if it's because like my glasses have become a like rose tinted by the later seasons that yeah. are but like even when i go back and watch seasons one and two like I still see the loving venture family that like we get later on loving for them. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Dysfunctional loving. Yes. Um, Yeah. Which that never goes away. No, No. it gets, it gets better, but it's just, and that's something that I appreciate, right. Is that, you know, about the pilot is that it's right out of the gate is, you know, it's rusty is just resentful of his children yeah and i i think i expected a lot more irony from it and i think i don't know i just i don't have room for like shows that are trying to be ironic on purpose and trying to show off the fact that they are i don't know above it all yeah exactly the smartest show in the room kind of thing right where they end up being the smartest show in the room without it being like it's not check out how yeah, smart we are exactly yeah. it's, that's why that's why i hate when people talk about how smart rick and morty is which i think look rick it's one of those things where it's more the fans of that specific thing the, that yeah. make me dislike it more yeah. so than the product itself because I think Rick and Morty is a very smart and like well thought out show, and it's well written. Um, but it also like at the same time, like it doesn't hold a candle to the Venture Brothers. But right. people are like, oh, you know, you got to be like really smart to actually get what's going on in Rick and <laughs> really Morty, don't. as if it's like fucking Futurama or something, right. like, <laughs> like writing math formulas for like episode plots, you know? Yeah. And just to, like, kind of, I don't want to defend Rick and Morty too much, because there's definitely, like, certain episodes that I think are, like, really fucking gross, yeah. and I don't even, like, want to get into it. <laughs> um, 
But I think it's funny because like one of the most maligned, joked about episodes of Rick and Morty is the Pickle Rick episode, right? Right. Like that's the joke. Oh, he turns himself into a pickle. It's the mm-hmm. funniest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. it's like, and then it's so it's like that episode is so weird because people either make fun of it or it's like the like you were saying, it's like kind of the joke episode in a way. And then there are also people who love it. But for two different reasons, either because you see what's actually going on in the episode thematically with the characters um, and how fucking devastating it is at the end. But a lot of people are also like, it's so like, you know, they love all the fucking like crazy violence that's in like the pickle stuff. Yeah, which I don't want to knock either, because it really is like, you know, it's like what we were talking about on What Mac Dota was genre film. They really do a good job making it action-y, and I'll put a button in this so we can get back to Venture Brothers. (laughs) Right, But I just, I don't necessarily want to compare them, because I do think Rick and Morty does do a similar thing, where, like, they have their characters grow, they think about the emotional stakes of their actions, Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, Harvey Birdman, there's, like, there's nothing but references and jokes and such. So I definitely prefer Venture Brothers, but I think Rick and Morty is kind of similar in how it, like, it treats his characters as as humans it and def- not so much caricatures. I think that's important because all of the bad behavior by characters in the Venture Brothers, it's not like, isn't it? I mean, it is funny that they're bad people, but they're yeah. not presenting it as like, that's the be-all, end-all of it. They're not like, it's yeah. hilarious that Rusty is so terrible to his sons, but like they actually explore the effects that that has on the boys and on yeah, him yeah. and the reason why he acts like that. There's so much more to it than just presenting this behavior as funny. It's without a doubt, I think the Venture Brothers has just the most, like, in-depth character development out of, like, I was going to say any animated show I've ever seen, but really just more so than even a lot of live-action shows. Yeah, Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier, about... um, how much has changed from the first season to the seventh season, and how... In a lot of shows, in later seasons, they will make changes because they want to stay on the air. They'll be like, this person has this new role in the show. Sure. And then, but... Or they, um, what is, they flanderize them? Flanderize? Right. I yeah. don't know what the term is, but it's, it's basic- flanderization. Flanders- <laughs> flanderization or something like that. But it's basically how you take, like, it, like, Parks and Rec does this really hard. Where yeah. it's like, you take, like, a quirk about the character... And you make it their whole character. Right. You know? Yeah. And the Venture Brothers very successfully avoids doing yeah. that. Like, if you look at, like, take Dr. Girlfriend, for example, the role that she plays now versus the role that she played at the beginning. Exactly. Progression does not feel like, oh, all of a sudden she has this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like she, they allude to it in season one in Tag Sale, You're It, that she could be very important in the world of organized villainy. Right. And then... You know, six or so seasons later, she has that important role, but it doesn't feel forced because, you know, we saw the journey that brought her there. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Um, And I think it's funny that you bring up, like, the changes that they make to the show over the years, because that leads into how I first came to the show, where what is arguably, like, a big stunt, right, is that, and again, spoilers for the series, (laughs) at the end of the first season... The last thing that happens is the boys die. It's, yeah. They get <laughs> yep. blown up mm-hmm. in an Easy Rider-esque sequence. Oh, it's not Easy Rider-esque, bro. I, it I, is yeah. straight up 
that is that is the last shot of Easy Rider. Is, I was dishonestly trying not to spoil yeah. Easy Rider for people either, <laughs> but fuck it. If, like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Look, we talked about spoilers and things like yeah. that on uh, the fucking Max and Connor podcast and shit like that and how we feel about old movies and spoilers and shit. Yeah. If you don't know that they fucking die at the end of Easy Rider, then I I don't know. I'm not. Well, so- I'm, I'm not sorry to spoil it for you. Max isn't sorry, and I am. So we got both <laughs> ends of the spectrum going. And I have never seen Easy Rider and did not plan to. Easy so Rider's. I, yeah. I love. I love Easy Rider. Easy Rider's great. I love the last movie. The movie, which is Easy Dennis- Rider Two. No, it's the Riding movie that easy. Dennis Hopper directed <laughs> after the success of Easy Rider. And I guess I should see it. I guess Hollywood it just wasn't was like, on my- what the fuck. <laughs> like no this is we no dennis no dennis we uh, don't last, want to the end last Hollywood. movie is amazing <laughs> the last movie is um really i think one of my favorite movies of the 1970s but easy rider is really like an important very experimental um film in terms of uh u.s cinema uh, especially in the late 60s early 70s but yeah so we're not we're not gonna yeah, we'll probably yeah. talk about a lot of movies given the fucking how m- many movies are referenced in the show. Oh, 100%. There's like a, a million and one. Right. Um, yeah. But going back to how I came to the show, mm-hmm. um, I, I hadn't seen that episode where the boys die. So the first episode I saw was the season two premiere. <laughs> and Adult Swim has those interstitial bumpers where they kind of like promote the episode you're about to watch. And they'll make like goofs and gaffs and stuff about it. So I remember, like, turning on the TV, the episode's about to start, and they're like, okay, audience, how do you think they're going to bring the boys back after they killed them? And there was, like, a list of options. And it was like, they're zombies. They Uh never really died. Mm. They're clones. Like, it's all in Doc's head or whatever. Right. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's the Venture Brothers. They killed the Venture Brothers? (laughs) This is only the second season? Mm -hmm. And it's the kind of thing where, like... It feels like a stunt, right? It's like the big crazy twist is like the boys die. Yeah. And the season two premiere has to address it, but it addresses it. That's what drew me to the show and the way they address it and Brock and Doc's cavalier attitude towards it as Mm -hmm. Morpheus is like struggling with the existential and moral implications of it. Right. So it treats it all like very seriously and that clone thing is a runner throughout the whole series. Oh, yeah. Even in the like seventh season they're still dealing with the effects of like what's it like to know you're a clone oh you yeah it that it grows very much but even that's like season the you know beginning the premiere of season two that's not the first mention that's not the first hint that the boys are clones yeah or necessarily but it's, but it's not the it's first, the reveal it's the reveal but they it's definitely planted in there like yeah. it's something that they they wanted um but there are i they, there are hints at rusty's involvement with or knowledge of cloning based on uh, uh jonas's research i think yeah and that's what's so special like you were saying aaron it's not something that they just like throw at you like oh check out this like curveball it's yeah. something that's like seeded throughout prior episodes mm-hmm. and going back to what you were saying about spoilers max like that was my introduction to the show uh-huh. with that major reveal yeah. that they died and they're coming back. Mm-hmm. And still, like, it goes so much further and it's still so much. It's still really emotional to hear that um, 
Is it a Nick DeMeo, Nick DeMeo song? Two heavenly souls from the sky. That's the song that ends Easy Rider too, bro. Oh, it, oh. oh even deeper I thought spoilers. that was for the show. No, <laughs> no. It's, um, that song. Look away. Place. Yeah. It's straight up the end of Easy Rider. And I love how often they do that with yeah. shows. Sharky's machine. With movies, I mean. But um, mm-hmm. I love, like, I've been sitting in fucking history classes or, like, you know, it, like, history of film classes and things like that and have, like, gotten Venture Brothers jokes. I've been like, oh, I just figured out a, a joke on the Venture Brothers based on something that I, like, learned. You yeah, know? I feel like... I'm sorry, we're getting off topic again, but it's, okay. no, it's <laughs> um, totally cool. We're and on the topic after, of the Venture Brothers. Yes. Yeah, that's and yeah, then so after, that's after this, do you want to jump into the terrible secret of Turtle Bay? Once I think we've made all the points that we want to make, okay, and then we can, I mean, we can trim. Yeah, sure. So, because um, I do want to hop onto something you said. Okay, uh, just how much the show has expanded my cultural knowledge. Mm. Like, whenever I would get a reference the first time, I was like, oh. I'm so smart. I got that one. But then, like, I'll look up something they say, like how I looked up Henry Darger the other day. Sure. Because of Sergeant Hatred. Mm. And I was like, oh. So I feel like I know more pop culture because of this show that I wouldn't know otherwise because I had no reason to look it up. Oh, without a doubt. And also, it's just uh, the show has informed so much of my vernacular. I feel like I quote it so much, I don't even realize I'm doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I just watched Poltergeist with a friend, and it was the first time they'd seen it. And yeah. I forgot to point out to them that the the scene where the daughter comes back to the house yeah. and is like, what's happening? <laughs> is the same reaction and shot that Brock has. In, when uh, the, uh, yeah. Is that um, the, the first Arrears episode in of season seven? No, yeah. Arrears in Science is the was third the sna- um, uh, i think yeah because the roy cole affair is the second so the first one is the venture brothers the, and um, the, the curse, curse of the, of the haunted, haunted problem <laughs> oh yeah so in that episode I, I keep meaning to tell them that that is where that came from oh and it's yeah it's the kind yeah. of thing where like when you get it you're like oh shit that's where this is crypt from mm-hmm. yeah that episode was genuinely scary the first time i saw it. and yeah. even watching it again oh man i just remember freaking out yeah. when yeah. i like figured out what i thought was going on and i was like it brought phantom spaceman with it, and now phantom spaceman haunts the venture fucking I hate building phantom spaceman <laughs> <laughs> and on that note it's time to talk about the terrible secret of turtle bay cool so do you mind if i talk a little bit about um our wonderful creator and kind of how he got to the making of the pilot yes. for the Venture Brothers? Let's just skip it. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> All right, cool. So, yeah, um, Jackson Public, before he uh, had, you know, even started making a pitch for the Venture Brothers, it was something that he had kind of created in his spare time. He was a writer on the Tick animated series, and as well as uh, the live action series with Warburton, and in looking that up, I saw that he also had um, he has a, a story by credit on one of the episodes on the Amazon series. Oh, which, interesting! Uh, I thought was really cool. He also he wrote an episode of Celebrity Deathmatch. Um, which one? I f- forget. I didn't actually. Unfortunately, I didn't write that down. I just wrote down that he wrote an episode of Celebrity Deathmatch. 
Um, and he was, I guess in 2008, which is during the Venture Brothers, uh, he was a consultant writer on Super Jail. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, that's really cool. I believe season one, he was the story <laughs> consultant. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, so Jackson, uh, he pitched Venture Brothers to Comedy Central in 2000, and they weren't into it. Um, uh, in, so in 2000, uh, Adult Swim wasn't, like, happening yet. You know, yeah, yeah. and when was the Tick live action series on? That was the early two oh thousands, right? I believe so. So I think it was when they got canceled. Jackson like kind of retooled his Venture Brothers um, pitch, and he went to Adult Swim. So Adult Swim had just like gotten the budget for three new pilots, and they needed a third one. So Jackson, you know, hit him up with his pitch for the Venture Brothers, and they were like, all right, cool, yeah, this doesn't need development, Let's we're going right to pilot. So that was very cool, you know, right away. And I think that also just kind of goes to show... Um, and so if you pick up the fucking excellent uh, art of the Venture Brothers book, uh, Go Team Venture, which is basically just Ken Plume interviewing doc and jackson about the entire fucking series episode by episode it's it's amazing um but you can see how much work jackson put into the pitch and the story as it was but so we were talking i mentioned before how um the second half of the pilot in particular kind of feels way more like old school adult swimmy yeah so that's because Mr. Mike Lazo didn't like Jackson's original first half of the pilot, and Jackson had to rewrite it. Oh, oh. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm confused. The first half of the second half is more adult swimmy to the, you. Oh, uh, the second half. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so he didn't he like didn't, the first half. No, and then he didn't he like. Him. I'm sorry. He didn't like the second half. Oh, I gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So they made. So Jackson rewrote the second half, uh, and th I think that's why it is a little bit more crass. Do we know what he had originally intended? Jackson? For the, yeah. For, In, the, for the... The, sec the second half of the episode that he had written before it got I don't critiqued. think so. Not that I noticed in, um, in, the, yeah. in the book, but... I mean, I still think that that's, you know, that's what there is. So, yeah. you know... No, um, just for trivia reasons. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> But so it's a good thing that he did rewrite it because based on, you know, that original critique, um, they were going to give them an 11 minute slot instead of a half hour. Oh, OK. Um, yeah. And this show really makes like such excellent use out of the 22 minutes. Oh, yeah. And so that's why like he he got nervous. And then I think... Um, the contract was actually for a half hour show and the person that Jackson had like, you know, kind of reached out to and made the deal with brought that up. So, um, yeah, the, they liked what he rewrote and that's when they went into the pilot. And yeah, and I think that's interesting because I thought, oh, this is the pilot. There won't be that much to talk about. And then watching the episode, I had to pause it like every 10 seconds to make a note mm -hmm. because there's so much venture DNA, even just in this pilot. Oh, yeah. And I think it's got such a, 
it's got such a great cold open because it opens up with uh the art the who's set up as the villain otaku senzuri right and he's receiving an acupuncture massage mm-hmm. and a henchman comes in and he displays a newspaper saying a son of renowned scientist to display new invention at this convention in new york city it's the science now conference isn't it yeah the science yeah. now conference all right cool um, and right away you get that like, okay, we're playing with genre tro- tropes, we're setting up uh, Rusty's insecurity versus his father's accomplishments. Yeah. And as soon as he gives that information, Ataku Senzori is like, you know, like, thank you or whatever he says. And then he throws a bunch of acupuncture needles <laughs> into his henchmen yeah, yeah. doing the classic, you did your job, you're dead now. Mm-hmm. And then we get the classic venture subversion of the henchman pops back up, his voice changes, yeah, it's yeah. no longer gruff, it's like, oh, hey, yeah. you fixed the kink in my shoulder, <laughs> and now I know I don't want to smoke anymore either. Right. <laughs> and um, I think that's such like a perfect example of what the humor of the show is, of we're going to give you the old school classic genre tropes, and then make it more like human more mundane yeah you know subvert your expectations yeah he wasn't killing him he was just helping him literally acupuncture yeah the first note i have verbatim is acupuncture joke nails the core of the show's sense of humor yeah yeah. 100%. It really just does like it's the first joke in the show and it's just like this is where we're at you know and it's very much not that i was gonna say it's very much not that like crass adult swim like I don't even know how to explain it necessarily. It's yeah. like very misogynistic in a lot of ways and just reliant on kind of being gross. Gross and mean and although I do But I, I was going like, to say yeah, the um, the accent. That's exactly what right. I was about yeah, to yeah, bring yeah. up. I, I, to, I thought so, but that yeah, yeah that's cuz that's where I was that's where I was going with as much as um the first half and that scene in particular and that joke is just so like this is what the venture brother sense of humor is it also has those voices and i don't know like they have such a small voice cast and they use like just i don't know if like that's what it is or well, i mean yeah, it's i feel like, like that's an easy out for them it is because... it's hard to defend and it's also something that they've grown out of yeah. yeah absolutely which is another part like even aside from the character development the development of the way the show is written yeah and uh, as well mm-hmm. like you know they cut out like there are no more jokes about doctor girlfriend being uh trans yeah. you know or anything like that i think i feel like it's just their social conscious has really come around in a way that doesn't feel like yeah. they're trying to show off oh now we're woke no it's yeah it doesn't feel like virtue signaling yeah. no not yeah. at all um and i think it's something i think something that may have to do with that is that you know they very they're it seems like jackson and doc are very appreciative of their fans yes in like such a sincere way that i haven't really seen from other show creators and maybe it's because the venture brothers is so much just doc and jackson so they're like this like they have been referring to it or like doc referred to it on facebook like this show is their it's their baby yeah so when people are proud like people love their baby they're just so proud and they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, oh my god, like, you know, and they're like, but it's... But sometimes your baby's racist, you know, <laughs> and you can't yeah. condone that, because no. I think it's interesting, the henchmen, 
he doesn't mm-hmm. the henchman doesn't really have i think a racist accent no. i think he kind of sounds like noho hank from barry he's like oh i don't want to smoke Should, anymore I think <laughs> that's why. i'm pretty sure that's james urbania oh really that. uh yeah <laughs> but ataku senzuri it like really leans into yeah. the yeah. Barry. it's bad yeah and i think it's an interesting conversation to have about like obviously this was like mid-2000s so the comedy culture was like very different mm-hmm. yeah. and i think maybe i still think it's inexcusable but it goes back to this conversation of are they it's it's this weird thing where you're trying to kind of have your cake and eat it too mm-hmm. where i think it's commenting on the racist accents of like old action films and johnny quest yeah yeah but it's def- also like still making the same joke it's still just right. as guilty mm-hmm. of yeah. that yeah so like at that point, I think the intention of it probably doesn't matter so much as the fact that you're doing it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So. Which is something that, in hindsight, us watching it, like, 16-odd years later mm-hmm. is yeah. very apparent. So if you are watching it for the first time along with us and, you know, dealing with us spoiling everything for you, um, stick it out. Because mm-hmm. that aspect of the show definitely changes and gets a lot better, as well as the animation and every part of it just gets exponentially better over time. Mm-hmm. But... You know, you're not alone in feeling kind of uncomfortable with those jokes yep. at the beginning. I, I definitely think that, you know, it's reasonable to feel like, you know, not ignore the fact that those jokes are there mm-hmm. in the show as much as we do love it. Um, Which is why we're coming out the gate immediately. Yeah. Like, we <laughs> got to talk about the topic. No, it's like, it's just, it's so, it's it's nice to see how this show has grown. Absolutely. Because it's just the two of them writing it. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's clear that they're, you know, that's just not how they think about making jokes anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you all know what otaku means? Isn't an otaku like, like a nerd? Yeah. Kind of like a, like an anime nerd. It is a, a young person who is obsessed with computers or particular aspects of pop culture to the detriment of their social skills. <laughs> okay. And I don't know about y'all, but I felt very called out when I read that <laughs> definition. Um, I don't know if I do necessarily, uh, but it definitely makes sense as to how the episode ends. That's oh my god, name. yeah. Uh-huh. I, I wanted to bring that up later when we get more oh, into yeah. that. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, that one. Detail later. <laughs> but so yeah, but after that, it's right into um, The Boys. Um, the venture compound. Oh yeah. Then we yeah. get right to it. So, and that scene, a lot of that scene is pulled from, like the first uh, Venture Brothers, like comic strip that Jackson drew. Yeah. Like not like his first doodles or anything, but it was like a comic strip that he drew of the boys like riding around on the like hover scooters looking for scam. Was it just a page? It's like a page and a half, oh, okay. something like that. It's really, it's not long. I don't think he, I don't think it's finished. Yeah. Um, But it's just like right there. Like he was so, he was so clear in his vision of what he wanted this show to be. Um, yeah. And so then the, the next note I have down, I wrote down a bunch of lines that I love. Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a bunch of them, yeah. And so I'm sure that you may have written this one down too, but uh, they get to what happens. They find Brock, and Brock tells them that uh, Rusty's in the lab. And yeah. that's when they find Scamp, right? 
Is that the first time that, uh, that's the only time we see Scamp outside of a flashback, I think. I believe so. I mm-hmm. wanted to bring that up. And isn't it, like, kind of a Santa's Helper situation where that's, like, not the only Scamp? That's, like, the boy's Scamp. So, right. the thing with Santa, Santa's Little Helper is the only dog that the Simpsons have had, uh, but it's, like, you mean, like, Snowball and Snowball 2, like, the cats? Oh, I thought Santa's Little Helper died, too, but I guess I'm just referring to the cats. I, I thought there were multiple I, Santa's Little Helpers, also. No, no, not that I'm aware of, unless oh, okay. it happens, like, late late in the show. But yep. there's, like, four, there's, like, multiple scamps, because... Yeah, we see one well, scamp... Rusty in, had scamps. Yeah, we exactly. see it in the flashback yeah. with the the gr- fake grenade and everything. <laughs> yeah. And then we also see the ghost of Scamp. Rusty is fucking brave as hell in, as a kid. Yeah, in the beginning of... And I, I do want to talk about how he went from that child... Yeah. Jumping on a grenade to save a dog to mm-hmm. apparently like what Dr. Mrs. The Monarch says, hiding from a cockroach on top of a table. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, he did get impaled by the grenade. Yeah. yeah well, no, I just, you know, when Rusty was a kid, he didn't have to deal with like the feeling of sexual inadequacy that oh, yeah. he faced a as a point. fucking, you know, teenager. And just, like, so much shit fell on him yeah. that, like, when he was a kid, he was still, like, the adventurer. He yeah. wanted to, like, he was like, I'm, I have to save Scamp, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he had to, he fell inside of himself because he became so scared. Yeah. But yeah, I was uh, that, that popped up to me. I was like, I think this is the only time we see the boys Scamp. Yeah. And Scamp has no skin. <laughs> Poor it's, Scamp. He dude, seems fine. Scamp but. has no skin. Rusty is... The the experiment is, like, to extend the life of animals so that they can endure more cosmetic testing. Oh, oh God. <laughs> it's, yeah. And I that right there, it really ties into where Rusty is at at yeah. the beginning of the series, is he's just like... Nobody gives a shit about the son of Dr. Venture anymore because he's proven that he is not even, like, half of the scientist that his father was. Yeah. He's sexually inadequate. He's uh, job-wise, science-wise inadequate. Yeah. Like, that's the whole the whole show is these people dealing with inadequacy <laughs> and kind of, like, not letting that bring them down or bury them. Yeah, mm-hmm. There is sort of this, like, almost innocent, naive aspect to Rush D- Jesus, Rusty that we see in this episode yeah. is that, like, he doesn't realize that the Uray has a military application. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to bring that up, too. Yeah, and he's just like, mm-hmm. what, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't think this would be used to level oh, buildings. Yeah, look yeah. at all the little people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that poor. was great. I like that guy's accent a lot, but I'm, that, I'm on the record as being an enormous fan of um, Americans imitating Eastern European accents. Oh, 100%. oh yeah. I think it's <laughs> yeah. hysterical. And that goes, it goes back to the scamp thing. Like, you could view that as, like, oh, that's despicable. Right. That he wants to extend these poor creatures' lives just to be tested on. But I don't know if he's even thinking in those terms because of, like, what Aaron was saying about the Uray. It does not even occur to him that it's a weapon <laughs> of mass destruction. He's just like, what are you talking about? It's, yeah. it's the Uray. But I mean, well, so he does mention that he's working for a cosmetic company. So, yeah. you know. No, but I mean. That- I don't think he's thinking about he's, the consequences oh, on the animals oh, more like yeah, this is, I'm just course. doing my job. He's probably uh, broke too. And yes. Yeah. yeah. But so, and it's as soon as the boys walk in there, it's just like, you see Rusty's and I, it's, I think it's way more hardcore in the pilot than it is in the show itself. Mm-hmm. But Rusty, it's like Rusty 
fucking hates them. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if, like, you know, if you watch, like, Home Insecurity or something, it's, I don't think, like, Rusty doesn't hate the boys. No. You know, but it's, he just obviously is not capable of having any kind of real relationship with them. Mm-hmm. But in the, pi- I... in the pilot, it feels like he fucking hates them. Yeah. He's also much more liberal about his um, diet pills. Yeah. In the pilot. <laughs> and I love the way that some of those are animated. Him, like, fucking, like, flipping them in the air and catching them <laughs> in his mouth and stuff. I did want to address that, too. The I, I meant to look up, like, who, if this was animated in-house or if they sent it overseas. But it does, it's a very, the style is there, Mm -hmm. and they obviously refine it over the course of the seasons, but it feels very much more like uh, computer animation of the time, which I think is interesting because, like you were saying, Max, it started off as a comic. Yeah. There are very, like, heavy shades of, like, motion comic kind of animation, where Mm -hmm. if you really watch, a lot of information is conveyed by them popping their heads, like, if you watch this pilot, their heads are constantly, like, popping in this, like, Disney squash and stretch style. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that does not happen in the rest of the series. I think that's... I think that they did the... I want, I think they did the pilot in Flash. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Because it's a, there's this thing in Flash called motion tweening, where okay. you set one point for, like, let's say an arm and another point for an arm, and you can see it all through this episode where they're just, like, kind of, like, very statically in a linear fashion moving around, Mm -hmm. and it kind of adds a little bit more of a dynamism, if that's a word that I didn't just make up. It's more dynamic to watch, like, their head pop and stuff if there's less pen and paper animation to it, Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that, like, Doc and Jackson really add to the show in their art direction, where even just looking at the motorcycles... The hover bikes, yeah, they're just going up and down very flatly. Where there's a certain type of interpolation that like smooths that kind of stuff out, mm-hmm. and that's what Doc adds later with his animation. And the last thing I'll say, because I know this is a very like nerdy animation, <laughs> the weed shit, mm. but it's like all I could think about watching the episode was um, when you're animating, there's 24 frames in a second. You don't animate 24 frames because that'd be ungodly. Yeah. You animate 12. Mm-hmm. So every frame lasts for two frames, basically. Um, the thing is, in this episode, that also applies to the camera motion. Sure. Which is why the camera motions seem a little bit more like jittery mm. um, and goes back to old school, like, because this was a time where comics and Flash were becoming very popular. So you'd go online and you'd see the Saw motion comic <laughs> and it'd be like these. Photoshop paintings of Tobin Bell, and it was like his backstory and shit. Hey, bro, don't, I'm scary. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too scary for this <laughs> podcast. Well, I we're going to get to an episode in season six that might be a little too much for you with the, the butt eater. Oh, <laughs> oh I love it. Yeah. I forgot. I thought you were going to say a very venture Halloween. Oh, I mean, that one's spooky too. But yeah, I just thought it was really interesting looking at it as a pilot and seeing like how far they came with the animation. Oh, and yeah. How, yeah. Because, goddamn, those heads do not stop popping. (laughs) And I think, um, while we're talking about what's changed Mm. over the course of the series, I think it's important to know also what they established in the pilot that has stayed consistent, or at least created, like, a good basis for the growth that they show us. Yeah. Like, um, we immediately get very consistent 
personality traits of the main characters like Brock's violence and his sexual promiscuity. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. But in the pilot, Brock is a, like a legitimate psychopath. Yeah. And he also like very openly doesn't give a shit about Rusty's stuff. Yeah. But like going forward, even in like Dia de los Dangerous, he at he at least pretends to care for a second. Yeah. Like he asked him, he's like he's like how does like when he's emptying like the fucking ashtray or whatever after Doc's class, he asks him, he's like, How did your thing go? or whatever. You know, like yeah. it's like he doesn't know what's going on, but like I felt like uh they definitely it almost feels like um they anti-Flanders-ized Brock <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, going forward. They really fleshed him out. Oh, yeah. In a very short amount of time. And, like, even, you know, in season one, Brock still doesn't say very much. But when we go into season two, it's way more like, oh, yeah, this guy's been with this family for, like, 20 fucking years. Yeah. Even though the boys are, quote, unquote, 16, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> as far as they're concerned. But, like, you know, he and he has pretty much raised them more so than Rusty has. Yeah. Uh, so, and, like, the pilot doesn't have him, like, hating the boys or anything. But no. there is a scene where he is in bed with a lady and he is like, I'll find the boys later. Yeah. I wanted to bring that, that up. That would not happen. It to, yeah. In even in season one. Yeah. Boys come first, regardless of. So Whether I feel like Brock's as far as getting late or not. things that are consistent, maybe Brock's character is on the less consistent end. You know, a that little, changed I a mean, lot. It, it, they, they flesh him out a lot, yeah. but it's definitely like the inclination for um, the most violence. Yeah. Because as, as much as we do flesh out Brock, like, he likes killing people. Oh, yeah. You know? He it's is like, willing I, to walk around the UN covered in blood. <laughs> he, like, does not change his clothes. <laughs> he's just in the UN, and oh, he's yeah. just like, I got blood on me. I love uh, the yeah, walking eye um, when he's like, you want me to go out there and, like, do something about this? Oh, yeah. And then he just decides to go. And Doc asks if he's going to change. He's like, no, I love wearing a suit when I kill guys. It makes me feel like James Bond. Yeah. Right. It's like, bro, he just, he really does enjoy killing people, yeah. which is a psychopathic trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it does, he, like, he feels like scary crazy in the pilot. Yeah. And, um, the, sh- like, he, just the, going forward, he, it doesn't feel like that, yeah. you know? And talking about his callousness, one of the scenes that, like, hurts me the most, because it's just too fucking real, Mm. is when Doc wants Brock to check out his latest experiment in the lab, and he's like, yeah, it's like, uh... I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so blunt and honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as you were saying, in Delos, Delos Dangerous, he, like, at least pretends to care. Yeah. And is, like, polite about For, it. like, a, yeah, he, like, tries, and then if Doc calls him on, he's not going to lie to him. Yeah. You know? But he's not, like, I blatantly, like, I don't fucking care. Yeah, he's making the effort. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, then after that, we get our first... Um, we get our first, uh, we get our introduction to one of my favorite characters on the entire show, the Monarch. Yes. Um, the Mighty Monarch. <laughs> so, and I love that it's consistent in that when we show flashbacks of the Monarch, he has, he has his old school costume. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting that in the pilot, 
he has a dip they the monarch has a different costume yeah and so do the henchmen they're like more fuzzy almost yeah. like the the henchmen look like bumblebees yeah you know yeah. <laughs> and something also something that i noticed um is that in the one exterior shot of the cocoon there are like swarms of butterflies around the top of it which i thought was a really cool design thing that i kind of wish they kept but it also makes sense that that wouldn't be happening yeah because butterflies don't do that you know and Um, in terms of uh the monarch's genesis we talked about flanderization mm -hmm. and i think there's also a thing that i'm gonna dub right here and it's called the cartman curve right (laughs) oh i was yeah this is something that i thought about too and it's the fact that like early seasons of south park cartman has a very abrasive voice yeah it's like very difficult to listen to and as South Park progresses, his voice is still, like, the same, but it, it becomes more toned down and restrained and, like, distilled to something that doesn't make your ears bleed. Yeah. <laughs> but the monarch, I think, is interesting is that it's still – it's all there, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris McCullough's vocal performance is still, like, consistent, mm-hmm. but he, like, just goes bigger and more theatrical with it as the show progresses. Yeah. yeah. Whereas it's, like, kind of a little held back in this episode. And I in season one in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's I that's because during that first, se- like, the earlier run of the show, um, Do- uh, J- uh, Jackson didn't, s- like, record at the same volume that he does now. <laughs> that, like, oh, it, the yeah. monarch's voice that we know it is pretty much him yelling. So, like, you can hear it come out in, like, the earlier seasons when Monarch gets mad or something. It sounds like his regular voice as we know it, which is just, like, he's constantly yelling. And he would have to, um, like, plan his recording days, because he does so many voices on the show. He also famously (laughs) Mm -hmm. plays Hank amongst a million other people. But he would have to, like, start the day with a Hank something that was lighter on his voice, <laughs> and then end his VO session with the monarch because that would just destroy it. Yeah. And I think it's funny because I talk about how it's more restrained, mm-hmm. but there's one line in the pilot that I don't think... I could be wrong. There's a lot of show that we got to go through. Yeah, yeah. But there's one line that I've never heard the monarch say something quite like this. Sure. And that's when he's given his big plan to everybody, and he says, Zoom! <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's ever said zoom. I, nope. After I've, that. Yeah, no. Right? He makes he makes strange like exclamations. Yeah. Yeah. But that one, yeah, I think that's an outlier for certain. But um we do see him dart somebody for the first time, which yeah. is like pretty much every time he's he appears he yeah. somebody. And then um <laughs> uh Doctor Girlfriend makes a very brief appearance. Yes. Um normally voiced by Doc Hammer, but in the pilot is uh voiced by Jackson Public. Which I think is interesting for two reasons. Number one, going back to what you were saying, Aaron, about how they like flesh people out, uh Doctor Girlfriend just has like it's just one line. It's literally episode, right? yeah, that's it. And the other thing is going back to what you were saying, Max, about how the show was so fleshed out, mm-hmm. both uh the both Dr. Girlfriend and Billy Quizboy, even though they're not voiced by Doc in this episode, yeah. pretty much have the same kind of vocal affectations. Mm-hmm. So that was all present in Jackson's head yeah. from the get-go, Definitely. whereas yeah. even when another person voiced them, mm-hmm. their character is still consistent. Is who's, Who is Speedy in Dia de los Dangerous? 
I don't know. I think it's Doc. I thought it, like I think it's Doc too, but even that's another one that Jackson does that I noticed. Uh, there's a henchman in the Terrible Secret of Turtle Bay that does sound like Speedy. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and I, it was like it was one of the voices where I was like, oh, okay, I guess Doc did do some voices on this show, yeah, on, or on the pilot, uh, which is not true. And I was like, you were saying, I was like, all right, so Jackson really did have a good handle on you know this is like what i want these characters to sound like yeah but it's also weird because those specific characters aside from dr girlfriend like billy Quizboy, um is not he was he was just like a weird background character that jackson had designed for the science now conference yeah like yeah. he wasn't billy Quizboy. Do you want to see his credit, or or can I? I mean, so or do you? Yeah, I guess we can get to that. But no, um, so Pete White and Billy Quizby are in this episode, but they were just background characters, pretty much. So in the credits, they are albino scientist and hydrocephalic child scientist. Yep, and they talk about their their cardboard cardboard diorama, <laughs> which we're, I thought was. Because Billy's presentation was where rain comes from at the <laughs> Science Now conference. So uh, is, is that, the, or uh, do you think th- they're making the implication that Billy is supposed to actually be a like a kid genius? I don't I know. Think so. this, yeah, and then, and why is he is he friends with White or is White just there? I, I mean, we don't know I, it's anything hard, about it's, their backstory. That's at true, this point, and so. I, it's hard to look at them and not just be like, oh well, yeah. Pete and White are fucking together. Yeah, because they're be in the this kind scene of thing together. But where like you see someone at a convention and you're like their convention friend, you know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe at this point they're like acquaintances, but not like right. living in a silver stream together. <laughs> yeah, right. they don't share a bullet trailer. Yeah, <laughs> you know that could maybe that's something that they. Yeah, I mean that's our like headcanon, obviously, right? Because um. I mean, if that's if the how could that be our headcanon though? Because we know that they've known each other for decades. Oh, true. Yeah. At the point that that would take place. Um, I also think it's interesting that Billy, like, even though he still has the lisp, he sounds a lot more gruff in this. Mm-hmm. So Speedy across- was Doc, by the way. Oh, okay. Dockheimer, uh was the voice of Speedy. It's funny. We have to. We're going to have to be specific. If we're talking about Doc as in Rusty or Doc <laughs> yeah. as in Doc Hammer. Oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Fuck. But I think it's because, like, Billy's a lot more gruff, so he comes across as, like, a pretty... He only has one line, but he comes across as, like, a super dick. He's like, oh, way to go, Doc. <laughs> or whatever he says. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, I mean, Pete and Billy are always a little antagonistic towards Doc as much yeah. as they do want to be in, like, you know, his good graces in the sense They of- all are toward each other. I think they are constantly making fun of one another. Yeah. yeah. Um, it becomes more playful, I yeah. think, yeah. as it, like, you know, obviously as Rusty becomes more of a... Uh, Not shitty. Yeah, just like a, somebody who is aware of the way that world works, I guess, yeah. or that the way that th- the things he says and does affect other people. Um. But yeah, no, they they definitely like even in a uh, in season two, um, with the the shrink ray where he's in uh, <laughs> Escape to the House of Mummies Part yeah. Two. Um, it there's a lot of them like antagonizing yeah. each other really, and it's like you know the same uh, the antagon same antagonization of 
like, you know, friends of years, obviously. Yeah. But it is nice to see that it becomes, like, less mean-spirited, I think, mm-hmm. as the show goes on. And, and Rusty, more... like, sensitized, sen- becomes more sensitive. And it's um, less harsh between them, and there's also, it's mixed in with moments of them being kind to each other and complimentary of each other. Yeah, that's I very think true. Which also they're becoming more competent at their jobs. So maybe that's <laughs> definitely the a root of it. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Cause Billy at the conference seems like some guy coming up and like kind of being a bit of an asshole. Yeah. Whereas like later it's like, Oh, they're friends like ribbing each other. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But you know, even just it's hard. Like we were saying, it's hard to separate like the fact that they were just supposed to be background characters mm-hmm. in the pilot versus how we know them now since they are major characters on the show. Such yeah. iconic characters, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I don't know, like, I'm sure that there are... Do you think there are adventure fans out there that don't like Billy and White? Because... I don't know. I can't... Like, there must be because there's all sorts of different types of people, yeah, but I but cannot imagine that. I remember my first watch yeah, through, I didn't, I like, either. care about them. But yeah, then, like the more I watched it, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like <laughs> it's, just, it's a very, very special relationship that yeah. Pete and, and Billy have, um, which is really synthesized in the Invisible Hand of Fate. Mm. And I always forget how late in the series that comes because it kind of like much yeah, like it's like where, the middle of season three. Yeah, because much like we're retroactively talking about their relationship, even though right now in this part of the chronology, yeah. they are just background characters. So much is retroactively influenced because if they do quote unquote retcon something mm. and like flesh out someone's backstory, like how did Billy get his hand? Sure. It just, it fits so well mm-hmm. and slots in so well with what we already know and feel about the characters that it just adds that layer to your rewatch. Yeah, absolutely. Your very venture rewatch. <laughs> yeah. We just circle it back. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to plug the show you've been listening to for like an hour now. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Well, we're going to cut a big bunch of uh, us trying to figure out how we wanted to talk about the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um, oh, man. Rusty walking into the conference room and saying, who designed this place, Frank Lloyd Wrong? I was going literally... to underlined and highlighted <laughs> yeah. on my notes because mm-hmm. I laughed so hard. I literally read was reading that note as you said. <laughs> like, oh, I was like, how can I bring up Frank Lloyd Wrong? Same page. I'm waiting yeah, for the moment. It's just, it's such a wonderful joke and that's another, it's just another like core of the show's sense of humor. But that, it also... The wordplay on people's names. Exactly. And, and then also just like jokes about like architecture or like art history yeah like in season four uh they make a jacob reese joke right oh yeah yeah. season four right bright light yeah city you waiting for jacob reese to take a picture (laughs) of me is so shitty yeah uh but it's just you know i think that's so that aside from the fact that i like like the dumb joke that is him saying Frank Jacob Reese was um, how the other half lives, right? Yeah, it's for those of you who don't know who Jacob Reese is, <laughs> he took photos <laughs> of people who lived in slums, like tenement buildings. Yeah, to in, bring awareness about like the the poor living conditions. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. This, and this was what the early twentieth century, late nineteenth century. I think early twentieth. I want to say, but yeah, yeah. And it's funny because, like you were saying, it's it's an it's like a. 
it's <laughs> goes upset. to show how much I know about the history of photography. Yeah. <laughs> I went to film school. That's about the cameras that make the moving pictures. Yeah. But not too many questions because I really have But what I was gonna say is um <laughs> it's like that's a terrible fucking joke. Like Frank Lloyd wrong. Oh, oh yeah, bad without joke. a doubt. Awful, but like that's, so good. It's rusty making a bad. Jo- I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you already I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Frank Lloyd wrong is such a terrible joke, but it's also exactly the type of joke that I would make. Like, <laughs> and like, look at my friends. Like, eh, uh, eh, come on, well, yeah. you know. So, but like you're saying, it is like, and we'd get up and leave. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um. I, thankfully, I, I remember to lock the doors this time. So you know, like, <laughs> here. That's why this podcast is still going. <laughs> but it is funny because it's there's so much referential humor, mm. but the show doesn't rely on it. Oh no! Like we can go Never. back and find references later and be like, "Oh, that's what they were doing." Mm-hmm. But there's still enough like comedic. Uh, I was gonna say a thoroughfare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To get you through the episode, they provide enough context where, like, even if something like that would go over your head, it's just like, all right, well, Doc made a joke that was bad, and nobody laughed at it. And like, I don't get it either, but yeah. I guess it wasn't supposed to be funny. There's but, plenty that I still don't get, even having watched it now so many yeah. times. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's still things where I'm like, well, oh, then yeah. I forget to look it up. Like, I, yeah, I actually <laughs> yeah. just. It just happened to me, browsing the Criterion channel. Oh, um, yeah. When does Shore Leave says something about somebody going from Holly Golightly to Eliza Doolittle? I, do, I yeah, don't I know, but that, I remember but I that line. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember the context of this line, but Eliza Doolittle, uh, Eliza, I don't know how to pronounce this word. It's the, okay. it's the title of this movie. And so... Um, if you know the correct pronunciation, either of you, uh, let me know. Okay. Pygmalion? Yeah, Pygmalion. Oh, that's it. Pygmalion? Yeah. All right, great. So, you got it. Oh, cool. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, but so Eliza Doolittle is the name of the main character in Pygmalion, which I guess is about, like, a professor who's like, I'm going to make this, like, you know, gruff cockney lady into, yeah. like, a fucking... It's um, My Fair Lady, Yeah, right? it's what My Fair Lady was based on. Yeah. Oh, okay. With, um, who was it? Catherine Hepburn. I believe so. In the movie version of it, yeah. I believe so. Aha. Flowers for sale. Seashells, <laughs> uh. <laughs> seashells by the seashore. The Was that rain. what? Flower, flower, flowers, flowers for sale. Oh, uh, 30 Rock. <laughs> yeah, that's what she's referencing. Okay, cool. I was like, why do I know that? <laughs> I'm like cycling between it's either something from NBC. Like right now, if I hear a reference and I'm like, I don't know what it's from, it's like my head goes to like, all right, it's The Simpsons. Because that's just what I've been watching a lot of. The yeah. Simpsons. It's either The Simpsons, Thirty Rock, or The Venture Brothers. Yeah, Those the, are the only three shows that I that I've watched. Yeah. essentially, no, that's not true. I've watched a lot of shows. How dare you lie to our audience about your television habits? <laughs> so, um, I think that it's also interesting that in the pilot, Doc has a uh, nightmare about being in the womb. Yes. Um, yeah, I wanted to circle back because Aaron brought up uh, the fact that like so much stuff is laid out. Mm-hmm. You have like like you were saying the diet pills, the womb yeah. scamp, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, we get our first reference to that. There's something weird about the conditions of Rusty's birth, or he's just got some sort of weird trauma that he's dreaming about. Yeah. Um, and then that that happens a few times throughout season one. We see that same sort of dream sequence. That's yeah. Well, so in I think it's. I think it's in Dia de los Dangerous, right before he wakes up in the bathtub. He has one where 
uh, JJ is like biting him. Yeah. But um, I th- he's in the womb by himself in the in, the, in the pilot. Yeah. 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 And they don't address it. The only thing that Doc says is when Brock smacks him awake, he just says, "I was in the mommy place." <laughs> <laughs> in uh, sir, in Turtle Bay. Yeah. In yeah. The yeah. Um, yes. Uh, there was y'all noticed uh, Professor Impossible. Yes. Oh, I wanted to, I didn't tell you guys about this, but I wanted to premiere a segment on the show. Oh, okay. okay. So here we go. I might, I may write music for this. I might not. All it right. depends on how. I think you should. They, yeah. I'll try. All right. <laughs> um, it's time once again for the first time for Who Plays <laughs> Professor Richard Impossible? <laughs> uh, I yeah. don't know. Um, I don't know either because he's not credited as Professor Impossible. Oh, okay. he, he doesn't really talk, does he? He does. He says some. He has like one line. It goes back to the racism thing. He's like, "Hey, the ambassador from Mexico is making up some margaritas." Yeah, oh, yeah. and then it plays like the shittiest like faux Mexican music. And like, this is such a nerdy thing to be mad about, but they don't like mix it down right. <laughs> like, they still have the other music that's playing in that scene layered beneath right and when they fade it out it just sounds like shit so i'm mad about the audio i'm mad about the racism <laughs> on the same level fuck it <laughs> i'm sorry for getting so mad um yeah those are definitely like you're saying equivalent voice. equivalent in terms of race see if i yes. can figure out who was the voice you got on. your priorities straight um wow he was in a lot of season one, apparently. Oh, I forget that. I guess they count a very vent. Are we going to do a, a very venture Christmas? Is there anywhere? Yeah, we should see it because I've. I got the DVD. Yeah, it's on yeah, the okay. it's on the first season DVD. Um, we should try to time that for the holiday season. Oh, that would be. Yeah. I think we can. We might be able to nail that. Um, yeah, it's the end of September. I think we can. Do yeah. That. So we'll it release it on Thanksgiving. Perfectly. Yes. <laughs> cool. 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 <laughs> um. God damn it. All right. Y'all, we can move on uh, while I try to figure out who played Professor Impossible in <laughs> this episode. I guess um, while we're waiting on that, another yeah. thing that they set up in the pilot um, is the jumping off point for the boys' innocence and how similar they are at the start of the show. Yeah. And their innocence mixed with like this melancholy of not having a mom. Yeah. Um, so... You know, and obviously they divert from that path and from each other, but I just think that that at least stays consistent into the beginning of season one and then kind of throughout season one, I think, because it's really season two when they first start to, to, like, divert from one another, I think. Yeah. At least not as much as in, like, season four. Because, like, I can't tell you, and I mean, this is just because I haven't read the book, so maybe the books uh, develop it more than the boys are developed necessarily, but, like, I don't know which fucking Hardy Boy is which Hardy Boy. Oh, yeah. They're the know. Hardy Boys, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think it goes back to Doc being, like, an absentee dad, where I was thinking about, like, a major theme of the show is Arrested Development, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're all kind of stuck and regressing to this age that doesn't match their their biological age where the boys are 16 ish but they act like they're like i don't know like 10 or 12 right because that's probably when doc just like fucking gave up (laughs) and you could Mm -hmm. say like they're so similar because of just like you could attribute that to poor writing although i'm not going to but it's also like doc probably doesn't treat them as individual people he probably just treats them as the boys yeah 
And so they just, because they have such a similar upbringing mm-hmm. in this like sheltered yeah. kind of compound with the learning beds and shit, they're, they're a little See, Now that you bring prepared. that up, they act younger than they are. They are physically 16, but they're supposed to be like 19. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're just in a wrong spot all around, so... Like when they leave the apartment of the Lady of the Evening, mm-hmm. and uh, Hank says she touched me where I make sissy. You yeah. know yeah. that's not something a sixteen slash nineteen year old says. No. <laughs> um, in the pilot, he is credited as solar powered car scientist. Oh, solar powered so car specific. scientist, and uh, it, he is voiced by uh, Peter McCullough. Who oh, okay. I imagine is related to dear old Chris McCullough, aka Jackson Public. Which just goes to show that Max is racist against Irish people. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Which is definitely a thing you can be. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Irish people Jew, are a race. I think as a Jew, I can be racist against Irish people. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know the... I don't know any rules. Yeah. Rule. <laughs> you want to know what I know? Nothing. I don't know shit. Um. What else did I write down? Oh, I want to know more about the Hello Helmet. I was, yeah, I had that note too. What the fuck is the Hello yeah. Helmet? That feels like a thing that was cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. And I didn't look it up. Yeah, <laughs> that might have been something. I feel like Doc's or Jackson's thing probably had more like goofy scientist bullshit. Yeah, like in the second half before they were like, oh no, we got to have like Brock kill some people and then you know the boys will go see a prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I love the way that's one of the lines I wrote down for how the monarch describes the boys mm-hmm. um, when he sees them walking into the apartment of the of the sex worker. Yeah, yeah. He says they seem to have already discovered the fleshy cheek of the mommy and daddy dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's like monarch. Do you think that? Monarch thinks he is speaking in like Shakespearean soliloquies. I where do, like now you got me wanting to scan his fucking you know lines, like stressed and unstressed, seeing where he, I'm gonna do it. I'll okay, get back cool. To Hell yeah. Nice. I want to know the meter of his uh, especially. Um, oh no, I was gonna say especially the scene in the mall where he's carrying Doctor Girlfriend, but that's from uh, Superman. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Just straight up. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just the monologue from Superman. Yeah. No, yeah, I will get back to you with those scanlations. All right, That's cool, yeah. Are, <laughs> I'm wondering if, are they, are they soliloquies? Where soliloquy is he just, is... I know he's just talking to the audience. It's like, so Hamlet's like to be or not to be is a soliloquy yes. where he's not talking to any of the other characters on the stage. And like, they couldn't hear him. He it's often like is his just, internal monologue almost. Yeah, right? he often is not. I mean, he does give his dramatic villain speeches, certainly, but I think yeah. a lot of the times he's just like talking to himself, psyching himself up. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, I don't know, Monarch is a very traditional, like, villain. Yeah, you and know? I, I forget that after a while that, like, he really is, like, mm-hmm. typical, like, super villain from an old show because i i feel like i know him on such a different level like definitely he, well we like, get to know him as like 
I mean, we don't, I don't, we don't get to know him as Malcolm because even the people who love him don't call him Malcolm, you know. Right. But you know, we get to know Monarch on a much deeper level, yeah, than him just being the show's bad guy. We watch him renovate his house <laughs> for mm-hmm. most of a season. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to say. I think it's a like the reason we forget that, and it stands out when we like hone in on it as strange is they do such a good job of blending the mundane with the superhero supervillain world where you oh, yeah. have that like you're saying this is the first time we see the the wrist darts yeah and they have that runner of the first time he does it it's successful the next time he does it it's to the cop and it bounces off the little uh his badge <laughs> yes, but eventually the second time yeah yeah he gets it on the second time but then when he i think it's very quickly after he says the mommy and daddy dance line they undercut it because someone tries to sell him drugs and he tries to use the darts but he's out so he goes from the fleshy cheek of the mommy and daddy dance to when he realizes he has to deal with this drug dealer. He's like, no, I'm cool. <laughs> and my favorite scene in the pilot is he's, you know, he's all geared up. He's a supervillain, but he has to take an airplane. So he realizes he's out of his drink and there's all these like dramatic music and sound effect hits. Mm-hmm. But it's just for him pushing the call button for the flight attendant <laughs> to come over and refill his drink. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, no, Brock totally, like, thumbs the monarch's eyes out. Which makes it strange that he stops giving a shit about finding the boys, because he almost gouges his eyes out with his thumbs, Mm -hmm. but then as soon as he comes across the prostitute, he's like, eh, it'll turn up. He also apparently stuffed his wings into his stomach. Oh, I missed that line. Oh, yeah. It's a, um, uh, the post-credits. Oh, I forget. Yeah, I forgot to watch the post-credits oh, yeah, on this one. Oh, yeah, there's a post-credits of Monarch in the hospital. And the doctor is <laughs> like, uh, we pumped this out of your stomach. And Monarch's <laughs> like, don't that. throw those away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, yeah, the show, does how much does the episode focus on Otaku even trying to do stuff? There's, like, barely, the scene barely, where yeah. he, is he trying to poison Rusty with the... The classic uh, James on Bond. The string. Is that yeah. it's James Bond? I saw that. It made me think of Gross Point Blank. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's probably one of those things where like it's used in a million and one things. Oh, but I'm sure. I, it reminded me of Bond. Oh, uh, specifically. I, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I've just like because I've seen that's I just tied it to Gross Point Blank because that's where I've seen it. Exactly. You know, but yeah. you know, it's it is definitely like that classic like spy thingy. And um, again, going to the you know the classic spy thing. Mixing it with the mundane of the boys open the door and the string just flies out the window because <laughs> the, the breeze blows it yeah, away. It's great. And they, they do kind of set him up to be this like villain that is going to fuck everything up in the end and like ruin yeah. Rusty's plans and everything. And then the resolution is so fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's just so unexpected. Yeah. Um, Should we get into it now? Uh, yeah. Well, so it's set up obviously. Like we talked about how Rusty makes the Uray, yeah. which he. His demonstration is it melting a model city. So, like, I don't, I genuinely don't understand what, like, his thought process was. (laughs) But I do believe that he's, like, when they tell him that it's, you know, supposed to be a peaceful conference and that he brought a weapon and he's like, what the hell are you talking about? It's not a weapon. It's, I believe that he didn't intend for it to be a weapon, but I don't, like, I can't for the life of me, figured out what the hell he yeah. thought it was going to be. He's just oblivious to everything outside of his own thought process, right. I think. Yeah. And I think the uh, 
the one application I can think of is hmm. demolition. Yeah. You know, you got to get sure. rid of the casino. <laughs> you want to blow it up. But I just, all the goop seems like that's not practical. <laughs> so it leads us to believe that Otaku wants to steal a weapon for the purposes of, you know, being a supervillain or whatever. Yeah. And then the wonderful reveal. Who wants to say it? Oh, I don't. Can I quote General Man Hours? <laughs> Please. Yeah. He's a technological fetishist. <laughs> yeah. So he literally just wanted to jerk off onto Rusty's uh, machine. And I think that's very sad because General Manauer says that's the only way he can achieve climax. <laughs> and that must be such a bummer where you have to, like, get a flight, try to poison this dude, steal his machine just to get a nut. Like, yeah. man, I feel bad for Johnson. Otaku. <laughs> he looks so sad when they're carrying him away. Yeah. yeah. Not that I condone him jerking off in a public place like that. Uh -huh. But, you know. He could have at least, like, bought it and brought it to his house. Sure. Yeah, why the fuck do, do you do that? He seems, he seems like wealthy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I don't feel bad anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, it looked like the screen but, um, stopped for a second. It's still going. Cool. <laughs> yeah, rock and but uh yeah no and i think that's that's the end of the episode right yeah and then yeah. the or no it ends with uh brock in yeah with brock in the room with the prostitute where he displays on brock like characteristics in not caring about where the boys are yeah um and then that's where it ends but we should mention we glossed over uh hmm. we get our very first when otaku is led away we get our very first go team venture oh oh we do yeah how about that and uh, Doc's response is, yeah, sure, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, su yes. I suppose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which he, he does that a lot throughout the series, where he kind of reluctantly partakes in the enthusiastic <laughs> go team phase, like, ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bye! <laughs> yeah, just end it. Just cut it off. Oh. It's like, we're done talking now. Um, do you have anything else about the episode that you wanted to say? I, I do. I think a lot of these I can skip over. Okay. Um, but something I do want to point out is the weird, the, I think it's definitely a deliberate choice, but there's a couple moments where there's inconsistencies with the boys' accents. Specifically when Dean sees the United Nations for the first time, mm. he says, well, gee, Hank, that's the United Nations. <laughs> like, he all of a sudden develops a southern drawl for those two words, United Nations. Yeah, I, I feel like he, he talks like that, but without the southern accent. Like, putting stresses on the wrong syllable. <laughs> yeah. Like, he says back, like backyard and not backyard mm -hmm. in and one I of the think, episodes. Yeah. But, and like, I why, I don't know why like, the southern accent part of it. Why the drawl? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, Urbaniac has talked about how he's doing a little bit of a voice in this one. And you can kind of hear it. It's, like, not quite rusty. There's a little bit, like, more nasally. Yeah. And the the line that he cites that I think I mentioned, I brought it up before, but I didn't actually get to talk about the line, where he's, it's like, they're robot bones, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the thing that Doc is, that Brock doesn't care about. Yeah, exactly. They're not just bones, he's they're like, robots. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad, because Rusty's really fucking excited about it. Yeah. Um, but I remember, I think it's on one of the commentaries, they have James Urbaniak on, and he talks about that, and how, like, that's the line that he cites as, like, sounding weird. And, like, I don't know, it sounds like Doc, but it's the kind of thing where, you know, they 
they just figured out the voice yeah. in the development between pilot and uh, the first season. Yeah, yeah. So like for as much um, as was solid in the pilot that they had really figured out, they were still finding their footing. Oh yeah. Kind of like when you start a podcast uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. and your first episode has a lot of edits in it. Hey, because yeah. you... as far as, as Connor's really good at editing. Oh yeah. Uh, so as far as y'all know, this no, we did it perfectly the first time. Forget what I said. Yeah, yeah. We didn't. There were no edits. We didn't have to cut anything out of this podcast. <laughs> Crosstalk. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bananas factory. Do we want to plug stuff? Yeah. Is it is it time for plugs? Sure. Oh shit. Well, don't um, say any more comedy bang bang things. You can, They're called plugs. That's no, I all the was, cross the that's board. That's fine. That's fine. We can talk yeah. about plugs. Just know there's you know no, none of no more of their catchphrases, especially ones that are about plugs. It's time for everybody's <laughs> favorite segment, plugs. <laughs> Aaron, to the day we're recording this, you have your nonfiction piece coming out in Talk About Quarterly. Oh, we're, plugging, today. we're plugging stuff for each other. Oh, just I'm setting up the plug. Okay, it's yeah. a, no, a no, set no. up. You spike it down. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Taco Bell Quarterly is a new subversive punk rock literary magazine. That is taking over the world. Um, Good. And I'm featured in the third volume of it, which came out September 29th. That's today. Mm-hmm. In Back in Time. Fuck yeah. And gotta go back in It's time. about growing up Jehovah's Witness, chicken tacos, and the ennui of youth. Very, that sounds like right up my alley. I didn't grow up Jehovah's Witness, but ennui of youth and tacos. Yeah. And, and ordering I mean, stuff with nothing yeah. on it is definitely, yes. <laughs> that was my childhood. Yeah. Also interested in like pivotal moments in my close friends' lives. So definitely. Especially if they took place in a Taco Bell. I mean, yeah, it, you know, <laughs> regardless, but that it, uh, it helps. I have more work coming out in other things, but I don't know when. So cool. So stay tuned. We'll, <laughs> yeah. It'll be on our socials. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Next, then, do you have anything to plug? Um, yeah. I mean, so you and me have a podcast. What? Uh, yeah, bro. You oh, remember? Oh, I yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you more about it when we're done. Okay, Con- cool. so Connor and I have a podcast. Uh, it's called What Max and Connor Did on Their Podcast. Uh, I think that really explains it. You know? it's, it's a pop culture podcast where two best friends talk about what they want to talk about. Uh, my name's Max. And my name is Connor. Yeah. So if you like this and we're like... Oh, I wait, we're not, doing it. oh we're not doing a Max and Connor episode right now? We because are. <laughs> the, the slogan. It's a double header because I, you know, we don't have an episode slotted for Wednesday, so I'm sorry, Aaron. But hey, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Aaron's oh, back, <laughs> third time. But um, yeah, no, the uh, you and I have a podcast that uh, I enjoy doing very much, and we have what it's like eight episodes up that you can check out on Spotify. Yeah, Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher Google uh, Podcasts, mm-hmm, all of pretty much the big podcast places. Anywhere but maxacar.com because I can't afford to fix it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, yeah. Um, and then um, I like to, I do, um, I'm also an il- illustrator. So, yeah, if you want to see pictures of monsters and shit that I draw, what's I drew, the Insta I drew handle? A Power Ranger. The Insta handle is uh, fuckbrain comics, comics with an X. Uh, check it out. It's my favorite picture of the Green Ranger that I've ever seen. Thank you. It's I appreciate rules. that. Um, yeah, and um, you can follow the Max and Connor podcast at Max and Connor on Twitter. Hell yeah. And you can Thank follow you. this podcast at Very Venture Pod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And 
We'll see you next time, Venturus. We love you, babies. Mm-hmm. Team Venture. We do it together. Oh yeah. Uh, so one, two, three, go. Is that how we're? What are we do doing? We're doing? We're, doing we're going venture. to go Team Venture. All right. So, <laughs> here. Go, go Team, team venture. venture. I hated that. That was, <laughs> no, that was good. <laughs> yeah, and it's staying in. Okay. Yeah. Because we don't edit. My nope. I sound weird when I yell. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Please.